Hello and welcome to the Pig Edge, Chagas Pig podcast with me, Kieran Carroll, bringing you all the latest news, information and advice to keep Irish pig farmers up to date. And for this episode, we're looking at euthanasia and the casualty pig with Laura Boyle from Chagas Moor Park. And I first asked Laura, what exactly is euthanasia? Okay, so Kieran, euthanasia actually means um, having a good death or a good death was the original meaning of euthanasia. And the American Veterinary Medical Association talk about it as being a way of ending the life of an animal in a way that minimizes or eliminates pain and distress. But of course, they recognize, and as we all know, it is very difficult to ensure the complete absence of pain and distress, you know, when you're when you're putting an animal down or when you're killing an animal. Um, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary has a more specific um, definition. Uh, which defines euthanasia as the act or practice of killing or permitting the death of a hopelessly sick or injured injured individual in a relatively painless way for reasons of mercy. So they also identify, you know, that while pain and distress are inherent to the process, for the process to be humane or termed as euthanasia, the goal must be to minimise pain and distress during the killing process. And then if we look at the the pig specifically, when should a pig be culled or or euthanised? Okay, so the culling decision, I mean, when, when, when you're making a decision to cull a pig, I suppose it's going to be based on is it economical or, or not to, to, to keep it on. And, um, you know, we, we would say that if you, you can identify conditions in pigs that you've seen before, that you know the kind of ultimate outcome from, it would be more humane to send them for slaughter, in the case of a finisher pig, way before the conditions, say a hernia, for example, becomes so big that it's going to you know, preclude the animal's ability to be loaded onto the truck or whatever. But um, it is very difficult to identify humane e- endpoints um, for making a culling decision and even more difficult than when you go down the road of euthanasia because if, if the animal has been allowed to deteriorate in any way, it becomes a very, you know, ethical and moral kind of dilemma as to when you're going to decide to end the animal's life. And there aren't really very many clear guidelines on it, you know, um, but I think it is about having empathy in, in being able to identify when the animal is suffering. And really, that is the most important thing about it. And apart from very obvious signs, you know, that we'd immediately recognize, how can we identify suffering in a pig? OK, so obviously, you know, the very um, obvious signs, as you say, are the clinical conditions. But unfortunately, you know, at that stage, the pig is already sick. So you're going to see coughing in the case of a pig with a respiratory disease or um, lameness in a pig that's lame. But like we even know from some of the work we've done here on lameness, that you can identify signs of lameness very early on um, before the animal is actually, you know, suffering to the point that it's reduced its food intake or stopped, you know, standing up to go for water. And it is a little bit about being trained and identifying those early signs. So you have the, you have, you have the clinical signs, but you also have um, lots of behavioral issues and physiological signs, but very few people are going to measure them. So temperature would be an obvious one. You know, measuring an animal's temperature if it has fever, um, although you could probably see again from its behavior that it's thrown down and, and not mingling with the group. So um, obviously with suffering, you have mental and physical suffering and mental suffering is usually caused by extreme fear or stress, but also pain, of course, will contribute to uh, mental suffering. But the one that we who produce pigs and are familiar with them, um, the one we're really concerned about, I guess, is, is the physical suffering and the way and the one that's very obvious to identify. And it is about, you know, being able to make a call on the intensity and the duration and frequency of occurrence of pain and, and or distress. Um, 
So the duration obviously can be relatively easy to estimate because it's, if it's an injury, it'll correspond to the first day that you saw the animal injured. Um, but it is difficult to assess the intensity of pain. And like this is kind of complicated by the fact that pigs are prey animals and prey animals tend to try to hide signs of pain because in the wild, and even though we've domesticated pigs for 6,000 or 10,000 years, you know, a lot of their behavioral um, patterns are very uh, intact. So they will try and hide signs of pain because this would have made them more susceptible to attack by a predator in the, in the, in the wild. So for, you know, I often talk about a pig or a cow, by the time they start showing pain, they are in extreme pain because they've probably hidden a good degree of the pain beforehand, if that makes sense. And then are, are there specific parameters then that you should be looking at to identify pain? Okay, so I talked a little bit a minute ago about, um, you know, the behaviours of the pig. And like this is where the whole area of precision livestock farming is really going to maybe have a huge role in years to come because we can train sensors and cameras and, and, and create very complex computer algorithms to detect very subtle changes in pigs' behaviour. But really, you know, at the moment, you can't beat the human eye. And the very obvious thing that someone will go will see when they go to a pen of pigs is a pig that's behaviour is desynchronized from the rest of the animals. And that would mean that a pig that's lying away from the other group, obviously, um, a, a time when a lot of people like to check their pigs is when they're feeding because especially if feed is delivered at a specific time all the pigs should go to the trough at the same time and if there's any left behind you know it's obvious that there's something wrong and you can go in and investigate but where pigs have feed available ad lib that's trickier because you'll always have a proportion of the group that are lying down you know but a, a, a sign that I've seen on some farms is actually other pigs devoting an abnormal degree of attention to a pig that's lying down. So it's while it's going to be normal to have a proportion of the group lying down and resting, if you see a pig that's being really aggressively belly-nosed, for example, or a pig that's having its ear nibbled and not reacting, that's a, a real warning sign. Now, of course, that pig obviously is quite sick at that stage and should have been identified sooner. But those kind of behavioral signs are really, really useful. And in fact, another very interesting one is um, We've heard it from countries that produce long-tailed pigs that the tail is actually the single most accurate and um, sensitive indicator of how a pig feels. A little bit like your dog, if you think about it, um, the pig's tail and the position of it and the posture of it could tell you a whole lot about how they're feeling. And we know that in days before a pig becomes sick or a, a tail biting outbreak, the tail is hanging down low and there's, 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 there's precision livestock technologies that can detect that. Vocalizations, older animals tend not to vocalize that much. And really, again, like you could see a pig in a lot of pain that won't vocalize. Piglets, of course, um, will vocalize in, in, in situations of extreme acute pain or distress, but it's not that reliable one, uh, a one. But I talked about these abnormal behaviors. And if you see an increase in tail-directed or ear-directed behavior in a pen in general, it can be a sign that things are amiss. For example, the water is, is blocked or the, the feed, they missed out on a feed or something like that, or that there is some sickness in the pen. And we know there's a strong link between these abnormal behaviours and problems like tail biting on farms. They're, they're very much um, related. Uh, lameness, again, as I talked about earlier, is, you know, an easier one, even though we still see it quite progressed in animals. But it obviously will be about reluctance to move and, you know, wounds and things like that are, you know, without sit without um without mention, they're very obviously painful. But what's something I think we need to be aware of as well is that, you know, you have very conspicuous problems like prolapses or hernias. 
I mean, they're visually striking, but you know, ironically, these aren't necessarily maybe as painful as some inconspicuous conditions such as arthritis or, or pleuritis. So I don't know if you've ever had pleurisy, but I have, and it's very painful to breathe. And it might not necessarily be associated with a cough. So those animals are in extreme pain, but they it won't be conspicuous. So, you know, the challenges are really there in terms of identifying our animals. But I think it is about, you know, knowing about behavior is very, very important in, in, in identifying suffering and pain. And then if we were to look at specific guidelines for farmers, you know, what, what should they be looking for in terms of when to euthanize an animal? So I think that every farm in their in their health and welfare plan should try, along with their vet, um, to identify kind of humane endpoints. And I actually I have a nice I have an example from a farm, actually, of where they did that and they, they stuck it up around the, you know, the, the, the pig houses as to these are the conditions, you know, where we, we don't go any further with these animals. But there's very little research even in this area. And it's a tricky area to research. But Morgan Morrow of North Carolina State, he adapted guidelines that were devised for companion animals. So for our dogs and cats, and actually I would like to mention most of us own dogs and cats and we're very good at knowing their behavior and identifying suffering and pain in them. And really it's very similar with pigs in terms of um, when you would make the decision to, to euthanize. But Morgan Morrow talked about obviously weight loss is going to be, you know, dramatic weight loss all of a sudden is, is, is a warning sign. But, you know, obviously, by the time you see an emaciated animal, it's really too, you know, the animal has gone too far at that stage because it's probably not been eating for, you know, quite a few days or, or a week or two by the time you you really notice emaciation. Um, as we talked about a while ago, extreme weakness or the inability to, to stand up to go and eat are... Um, are, are signs and if they persist if you've if you've identified a pig that isn't eating and you spray it or whatever and you come back 24 hours later and he still isn't well there's a, a very clear sign 24 hours of not going to eat is um another um indication that maybe that pig needs to be euthanized um obviously if it's suffering from any infection or disease which fails to respond to treatment so that might be individual treatment, um, treatment of individuals with antibiotics, for example, or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, so pain relievers. Um, if you see no um, improvement in that, you, you, you know, you obviously you need to be consulting with your vet in relation to this, but if you see no improvement after 24 hours, two days max, you know, I'd be considering euthanizing that animal. Um, you know, you could also obviously take the animal's temperature if it's kind of a moribund, depressed state, um, there's not, you know, the chances of recovery are, are slim and, you know, ur urgently um, euthanize any animal that you suspect of having a fracture um, or um, that's having uncontrolled seizures, for example. Um, the, the National Pork Board in the US also has three broad standards for determining when euthanasia is want warranted. Animals showing no improvement after two days, which I kind of mentioned already, these severely injured or non-ambulatory pigs. Um, but another, uh, Morgan Morrow then goes on to talk about this two strike system for wiener pigs. And he suggests that there should be two criteria that should be fulfilled before the animal is euthanized. First of all, it should be underweight. And secondly, it should have some disability or rupture, a, a claw damage, joint ill. Um, but we then go into the territory of, you know, very young neonatal pigs where you wouldn't really apply that two strike system because it was very young, very vulnerable, low body reserves, very poor immunity. Um, you really should probably base decisions on euthanasia on weight alone. And we could talk maybe a little bit more about that if you want to. 
Yeah, what what specific issues are there around very low born or birth weight piglets? Well, you know, obviously we have selection for for large litter size and um, uh, uh, litter size is obviously um, going up in in Ireland. So it does mean that the individual birth weights of the piglets is very low and you will have a proportion of very um, poor viable, lowly viable piglets. And like, unfortunately for these animals, you know, the chances of survival are very slim. And um, they do suffer they, they, because of their young age. It doesn't mean they can't suffer any less. And, and we do see and I think we'll all acknowledge that these are a cohort of animals that um, are often neglected on farms and, you know, really are allowed to die. And it still takes a long time for them to die because they'll often not um, be able to reach the udder at all or have any um, intake of colostrum. And they they basically starve or freeze to death, depending on the, on the, the conditions in the pen. If they don't even make it to the heat pad or whatever, they can be you know, stuck behind the sow and not really move from there, depending on how frequently the animals are checked or whatever. So, um, you know, to retain a lot of these animals, you probably know from other research we've done here, you know, they can, they need, they, if they're going to live, if, and if you've dedicated staff that can provide very dedicated nursing care, there might be some, you know, hope for them. But really, we've, we know from our own work on commercial farms that there's a cohort of animals that you kind of have to drag through the system. You know, they constantly need special attention. They should be kept together. They're always going to be prone to um, disease. We know from our research where we followed very low birth weight piglets all the way through to slaughter. They have lower carcass weights and they're more likely to be condemned and they have, you know, um, more pathological lesions in the lungs, et cetera. So, you know, arguably it would save a lot of, it, it's an ethical, it's kind of an ethically tough decision to make, but it is probably um, more humane to dispose of these animals at birth. That makes perfect sense. So it's really all about making the right call on euthanasia and getting it done when it should be done, you know, mm. early. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I gather Chagas, uh, the pig department, they've produced a new infographic. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yep. So based on um, based, I suppose, on, on all that we've been talking about there, we, we produced this infographic in the past few weeks and it, it, it's it's focused around um, the casualty pig, as we'll call it. Um, and it's focused about around preventing preventing suffering. And there's four kind of key questions, if you like. One is, should the pig should the pig be seen by a vet? And really, this is kind of based on your own knowledge and confidence of the issue. Have you seen it before, for example? Um, if if you haven't seen this condition before, do you think the animal is in immediate danger? You know, you could you could call the vet to consult, or if the vet is on the premises, ask them to come and check the animal immediately. Um, if you've seen the condition before and you're quite confident about treating it, um, and if the treatment is successful, then you know you could you could consult with the vet, but you could you know repeat uh, repeat the treatment, and you're probably likely to have the same success as before. But um, how should you treat the pig and how should the pig be treated? And we kind of, when we were developing this infographic, we did talk about the word treat and we were worried given this concerns, you know, about antimicrobial usage and um, being more prudent in how we use antimicrobials because of the threat of antimicrobial resistance. When we talk about treat, we don't necessarily mean with, you know, with, um, with antibiotics, just to clarify that um, we couldn't you know, elaborate on this detail in the infographic, but we are talking about um, treatment can also involve nursing care, movement to a comfortable, um, in terms of physical and thermal comfort, hospital, or whatever you want to call it, recovery pen, or whatever might be the term you want to use. Um, And it is about really nursing care of the animal in as much as giving antibiotics. And of course, there is another um, whole core 
cohort of treatment that we can use, which is um, pain relief, you know, these um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Um, and say, for example, meloxicam is licensed for use in, in pigs for a variety of conditions. And that should be in our toolbox for treating um, a, an injury or an illness. And you have to ascertain, you know, how likely is the pig going to respond to treatment? Again, be that treatment, be moved to the hospital pen or treat with, with painkillers and, and antibiotics or both. If it's not, obviously, we've discussed it already, you've got to euthanize. If it is, obviously, treat immediately and monitor progress. And we talked a little bit about this when we were preparing this infographic. I think we had originally, you know, monitor progress daily. But depending on the condition, you know, it could be a matter of monitor the progress hourly, you know, depending on, on the condition. And this is a call um, experienced and skilled stock people can make um, and, and should make. And, you know, if the pig responds, it should be kept and um, kept on for sale. And obviously, if it fails to respond, again, 24, to, 24 hours, I would say max euthanize. Um, another key area is, is the pig's ability to walk on and off the truck. And interestingly, again, we did have a call from somebody who saw this infographic and queried this terminology. And I suppose we could really have specified that when we say that, we mean a pig should be able to bear weight equally on four legs and walk steadily onto a truck. And if it can't do that, it shouldn't be sent at all. Um, because simply saying, can the pig walk on and off the truck? It could be limping or it could be staggering when it's doing it. And really those are, are no-go kind of um, conditions to sell a pig in. So that would be, if you look at the infographic, if the pig can't walk steadily onto the truck and bear weight equally on all four limbs, it should be euthanized. If it can, then you have to ask the second question, will the carcass be fit for con human consumption? And if it is, obviously you sell the pig. Um, and if not, you have to treat. But probably at that point, you are looking at um, euthanizing the pig. Um, the carcass being fit for hu human consumption is obviously if you suspect that the pig has a systemic illness or if it has been... Um, treated with antibiotics um, inside of the withdrawal period or whatever, if there's any reason, if you're unsure for any reason that the pig might not be suitable for human consumption, um, you should euthanize. Um, if you're quite confident that the pig is fit for human consumption, you have to also ask the question, just to complicate things further, could transport cause further injury or suffering? Because a pig might be well enough, but if you suspect there's some underlying weakness or condition there, it could, you know, in its convalescence, it might not be long out of recovery. And if the transport could set it back or cause injury or or suffering en route. And, you know, in that decision, you have to consider, you know, how hot is the day? What's the size load I'm sending? Blah, blah, blah. Don't um, don't sell, euthanize. And if, if it won't cause further injury or suffering, well, obviously transport and sell. So it is complex and we tried to simplify it here and I hope it helps. Um, producers, uh, you know, in making some of these very difficult con uh, decisions. And we do acknowledge that they are. Just to remind our listeners there that when they are talking about um, antibiotic treatments and things like that, it's, it's crucial and essential that they contact their vets uh, for, for proper diagnosis and recommendations. Absolutely. And, and prescriptions. Um, just just finally, then, uh, where is the poster available? Where can when farmers get the get this poster? Within Chagas or the pig pages within Chagas, you'll find it easily. There are links there or you can get a copy from any of the advisors or contact Orla Canan, orla.canan at chagas.ie in the Chagas Pig uh, Development Department. Can you just remind us, just before we finish up, what are the main euthanasia methods? 
Okay, again, um, following years and years of research in this area, we're still really only left with four with four options to euthanize pigs. And we often get asked, you know, about is there any research you can do to come up with, with, with newer methods? But really, they're all going to center around the same kind of broad categories. The first one being um, the use of blunt, blunt trauma, which is suitable for piglets less than three weeks of age. Or you could look at the, I'm not 100% sure, sure about this, but I believe it's below, they have to be below five kilograms. An animal has to be below five kilograms. In reality, a lot of people wouldn't consider doing it for an animal anywhere near five kilograms because the, the chances of doing it successful are, are, are low, you know. Um, we have trials here in Moor Park, a type of um, stun gun, if you like, that's used for poultry. Um, and again, you know, talking to the staff here and to Moss Ryan in, in, in the pig unit, he would say, really, it's really only for those very tiny, small neonatal pigs. But but if it's, it is more appealing to staff to do it that way rather than blunt trauma, I would I would look into it because, um, you know, we really need, as we said, they're a, a crucial area of concern. These very young newborn um, piglets that will have no chance of, of survival should be euthanized immediately. Um, there's a lot of interest in um, using different gases um, carbon dioxide is a cheap and relatively safe method of disposing of piglets. We did have an article in the newsletter a few years ago, I suppose now we could we could re we could renew it um, on CO2 stunning again of smaller pigs. It won't work for big pigs. Now CO2 is very aversive to pigs. It irritates the mucus um, linings and, and is very aversive to them. So people have looked at looking at gas mixes like argon gas and things like that. And it, um, but you can make these kind of uh, CO2 chambers using a rubbish bin. And but they are available, I think, um, commercially as well. And then with bigger pigs, you know, there really is no easy way. You have the penetrating captive bolt, which requires that you also piss and bleed the pig and gunshots, which, of course, is very dangerous. And um, you need a gun license and training for, to use these. And we know all the difficulties and that, you know, for staff in terms of um, having to do this. So like, this is really why I would advocate, you know, before a pig reaches that stage, obviously a pig that breaks his leg overnight, you've, you've no other choice. But if there's pigs, you know, that before they ever reach the, reach the stage where you have to face them with a captive bolt pistol or, or a gun, that they are sold early. And there's a lot of conditions that can we can make that call on. Sell them early um, at a lower weight and, and there might be penalties or whatever it might be, but it is much better than being faced, you know, two or three or four or five weeks on with having to put a bullet in the animal, which nobody likes to do, you know. That's great, Laura. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Kieran. That's it for the latest episode of The Pig Edge and my thanks to Laura Boyle for joining me on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a show. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Kieran Carl, and thanks for listening.